Yeah, it's fine. Not bad. I enjoy it. <laughs> Zevo. That's it. Is, am I on? There you go. He's All right. Okay. Can you hear me? Wow, you sure have a lot of lights here, huh? Yeah. I'm sure you can see me well, but I, I kind of trust in faith that you're over there somewhere. Well, I'm so honored to be with you, and it's such a blessing to meet my brother Blake and all of you just a few months back, and I, I'm just, just very glad and honored to be with you. As I said last time, for the ones that were here, I was speaking in quite a few churches, but that was the only place that people right there next to this pole got saved, three people. So, so this is the real deal over here, and I'm happy to be uh, with you uh, this evening. Now, um, I want to share with you something today uh, from the Word of God. I really want us to really just, we said we, we surrender, we surrender. I want us to surrender, to come with an attitude to surrendering to the Word of God and what the Word of God says. Because, you know, for each of us, sometimes we read something, I think, and we don't quite understand it. It doesn't really make sense. We still know it's the Word of God, but we kind of struggle with it. And so I, I want to touch one of those things that may be something that some of us may struggle with. And even I was struggling with that. But a few months ago, I was studying uh, this uh, portion of scripture. And I think God opened up that for me a, a little bit more. And I would like to share that with you. So um, if you can please open with me Matthew chapter 15. And I want to see something pretty shocking almost that Yeshua, Yeshua, Jesus, right? Yeshua, that is Hebrew name in salvation, that Yeshua was saying to uh, this Gentile woman. And I want us to uh, try to understand that, why he was saying that, um, and how every, all, all scriptures come together to explain that in a beautiful way that shows God's love for humanity for all the nations of the world but but let's see what he said here so that's Matthew chapter 15 let's start from verse 21 Matthew 15 verse 21 it says then Yeshua went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and, Sid and Sidon and behold a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying have mercy on me O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came out, came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, and here's, here's what I want to emphasize. He answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You understand what he's saying? It's kind of shocking, right? We kind of know that he came for all of us, for all the world, but, but let's see what he says here and try to understand why he was saying that. Again, he said, he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Do you have the same thing in your Bibles? So it's not just me being Jewish trying to read something into the text, right? <laughs> it's actually here. Okay. Then verse 25, it says, Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What kind of a language is that? I mean, what's happening here? And then it says, And she said, Yes, the Lord, yet even a little dog eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Yeshua answered and said to her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, you see, he had to go with her through some kind of a process in the conversation that was, I think, was kind of a shocking to her, maybe, or at least to us readers of, of this text. I think it should come as shocking. What do you mean? I didn't come except for the lordship of the house of Israel. Why didn't Yeshua come for all the rest of the, of the world? And why does he say to her, like, uh, you know, uh, that uh, 
like talks about dogs and she's saying yes, but only dogs can eat the crumbs. I mean, is he trying to humiliate her or what's going on? Well, definitely not. But he wanted her to understand something that is key for uh, God's plan of salvation. And we're going to see that in scripture today. But let's note a few things here from this text. First of all, the first thing that she said to him in verse 22 was, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So she recognized him being the son of David. So she had some understanding in the Jewish roots of the faith, if you know what I'm saying. She understood he's Jewish, he's from the son of David, he is the promised Messiah of Israel. She did have that understanding over here. And then she was, after she understood that, that, that she, whatever he was willing to give her, even if it just crumbs, she's there willing to take it and, and, and asking him to give those crumbs. She knew just a crumb could save her daughter from being demon-possessed. And when that happened, Yeshua said to him, to her, Oh woman, great is your faith. In other words, you believe in the real thing. You, you understand what I was trying to, to tell you over here. There's some key that you understand here. And for her to understand that, that Yeshua called great is your faith. And through that, her daughter was healed of being uh, demon-possessed. So what is it really here that, that she understood? He basically said to her, and this is the key verse over here, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, so I would like us to understand that a little better. But first and foremost, let me just say it out loud to the, from the beginning. Yes, Yeshua said that. He wanted her to understand that, and he wanted us reader to understand that as well. But Yeshua knew that the, in the big picture, he wasn't there just for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was there for all nations, but I believe that he wants all nations, like this Gentile woman over here, to understand he is the son of David and he is the promised Messiah of Israel. So he puts emphasis of, of him being Jewish, of him being the Messiah of Israel, and all nations that wants to be saved, and all nations that wants to be healed and wants to be blessed, needs to understand that he is the Messiah of Israel. And in order to, you, everyone is invited to be grafted in. Everyone is equally important in the eyes of God. But nevertheless, if, if we have the disease and he is the cure, we all need to understand where the cure is coming from. If we want to take the right cure, we want to understand what is the prescription for that cure. We can see something similar to this in the gospel according to John. If you go to John chapter 4, again, Yeshua is speaking to another Gentile woman. A Samaritan and then he said to her just for the sake of time in verse 22 he said to her you worship what you do not know we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews you see again Yeshua is speaking to a Gentile a Gentile woman it happened to be again and he's telling her salvation is of the Jews he wants her to understand where the cure for for her spiritual state of being lost and in sin is, is coming from. It's coming from the Jews. It's coming from the son of David. It's coming from Israel. Now, let's try to understand beyond that uh, how does that really lead us to the understand, bigger understanding of God's plans of salvation. Now, for the sake of time, I guess I'll need to kind of dilute everything that I have to share with you today. But um, let me just say that this is important. Uh, Isaiah chapter 49, if you can open over there for a minute. Let's, let's try to do that quickly. Isaiah 49, uh, verse, starting in verse 1. We see him uh, here. Let's, you know, let's just start verse 3 for the sake of time. It says here that God speak to this this person over here, he said, and he, God said to me, you are my servant, O Israel. So God is speaking to that servant and he's saying to him, you are my servant, and he gives him a name. He's saying, you are my servant, Israel. Okay? And then, if we go to verse 5, it says, 
And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant. Okay, this servant name Israel. And then he gives him the, like the mission uh, description, the job description. Why he chose him to be a servant. Why he chose Israel to be his servant. To do what? And then he, he exactly explains that. He said, to bring Jacob back to him. Now who is Jacob? Jacob is Israel, right? Jacob is the same person that God changed his name to Israel. So God calls the servant Israel in order to bring Jacob, which is kind of mystery, what do you mean? It's the same person, to bring Jacob back to him, back to God, so that Israel is gathered to him. And then in verse 6 he says, Indeed, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. Yes, I will call you to do that, but there is more. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So who can that be? Who is that servant that is described here, do you think, in, in Isaiah 49? Who is it? Jesus. Wonderful. Now, what's his name here in this prophecy? Israel. Isn't that interesting? It's Jesus, but it's Israel. You see, it's kind of tied in together. In a sense, Israel was called to be a lie to the nations. What can we do? We're, we're human beings. We're, we're fallen. We're, you know, we're in the flesh. I mean, we cannot be a lie because we don't have the lie. We first need to be saved ourselves. And only then we can be allied to the nations. That's why God had to choose one of us, one from Israel. I couldn't have done it. No other Jew on earth and any generation can do it. It's only one and only Jewish person from Israel that can fulfill that role of Israel as being the savior of Jacob and, the, and God's salvation to the ends of the world. And this is Yeshua, Jesus, which we now understand he is Israel. So I really like the fact that you have the Israeli flag over there. And I kind of like, honestly, that it's in the center. Because what Yeshua is kind of saying here, this is central. He wanted that woman, he both had both, the Samaritan in John 4 and, and the lady over here in Matthew chapter 15. He wanted her to understand where the cure, where the salvation comes to her. And this is coming from Israel. Because in a sense, he is Israel. He is the promised Messiah of Israel. He is the son of David. And whoever gets that gets the key to understanding of being healed and being saved. You cannot just, well, I guess you can be saved without understanding that. I don't want to say that at all. But we definitely see that Yeshua wants people to understand that. And I, and I think that I know why he wants them to understand that. Let me just say it right now. I think he wants every nation that is being saved through him to have a heart for Israel. Yes. Of course, we want everyone to be saved, but it cannot be that we have all the nations of the world on our radar as far as evangelism, but we don't have Israel. In a sense, if you had to choose one, I think biblically you should choose Israel as where it would make sense that you would want to reach because salvation came to you from Israel. Wouldn't you want to bless Israel back? by sharing the gospel and Israel to be saved as well. I think biblically that's what Yeshua is trying to say here. Um, but there is more to it. Let me just say that during the time that Yeshua was here on earth, consistently we can see in scriptures that he went to the Jews. He wasn't just saying to her that he came, uh, he didn't come, he basically said, I didn't come for anyone else, I just came from the Jewish people. But then practically that's what he did. And we can see that in scripture in Matthew 4, in Matthew 9, he went to teach in the synagogues. You see, consistently he went to teach in the synagogues. He went to the Jew first and foremost, pretty much according to what I can see in scripture. I don't see a place that Yeshua went to a Gentile. It was always on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. He had to go through Samaria in John chapter 4. It says he had to go through there because that was on the way. It's the nations came to him, and then he was careful to explain to them, just like we saw, hey, salvation comes from Israel. Okay, so that's what he was practicing, not, was just, not just teaching, obviously, and saying, I didn't come to anyone, but from Israel, although we see from Isaiah 49 that in the bigger picture, of course, he came to be the savior of the world, of the world to the ends of the world, as it says over here. 
Okay, now there is a beautiful verse in Romans 18, Romans 15, from chapter eight, verse 8 to 20, that I really want to break down and just follow, just in, in chunks, those, just those verses, because I think it really explains it to the full. I think this is how Paul, Shaul, Saul, explains it very beautifully, and we're just going to stick with the Word of God, so we are not just come up with our own ideas over here. So let's open Romans 15 um, together. Romans 15 uh, verse uh, 8 to 12. And let's see what it says here. Again, it's, I mean, if you notice it, I think it's a little shocking to read. Um, so let's see over here. Romans 15 verse 8. So it says here, now I say that Yeshua the Messiah has become a servant to the circumcised. He became a servant to the circumcised. Now who are the circumcised? Jewish people. Now he said he came to be the servant to the circumcised and then he tells us why. It says, for the truth of God or, or to show God's truthfulness, in other words, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles, you see the Gentiles are never outside of God's plan of salvation, but there is an order to it. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So let's break it down. We're going to stay with this verse all the way towards to the end that of, of what we're going to uh, study from scripture today. Just those verses. So let's read it again. For I tell you that the Messiah Yeshua became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So the first thing we said circumcised is the Jewish people. Now, of course, but let's go to the root of it. The root of it is God's covenant with Abraham. When, when God made a covenant with Abraham, there was a sign to this covenant. And the sign to this covenant that God made with Abraham from which the Jewish people started to become the nation the, of, of, of the Jewish people of Israel from Abraham, that was the sign. The circumcision on every male, that was the sign of the covenant, okay? And we can read that in Genesis 17, starting in verse 9. Genesis 17, 9, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, and uh, you and your offsprings after you, throughout their generation. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and your offsprings after me. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So this circumcision, it's not just vaguely saying it's the Jews, it's more importantly, it's the sign of the covenant between God and the Jewish people and the descendants of Abraham. Do you see that? So here Paul is saying, Christ became a servant to the circumcised, the one that have this covenant with God through the covenant that he made with Abraham. You see that? Okay, so we, we, we went that far. Now, let's move on to the next part of... Um, so obviously it says to show God's truthfulness. Well, if God made a covenant with Abraham, he wants to fulfill that promise that he gave. He said, well, we're going to have a covenant, right? So it's not just that Abraham needs to be faithful to the covenant. God has 100% intention and he's going to be faithful to this covenant that he made with Abraham. So, so that's what Paul is trying to explain here. And this is part of the reason that, that Christ came first and foremost to be a servant to the circumcised. Because that promise of the covenant was to the circumcised. That's a covenant between God and Abraham and his descendant they're circumcised, it would just make sense that when God sends the Savior, he will go first to the people that he already have a covenant with, right? That makes sense. 
okay? And then it goes on to the second part of that verse. It says, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And it's in plural. It's not the patriarch. It doesn't talk just about Abraham. It says God's uh, promises given to the patriarchs. So who are the patriarchs? It's Abraham, it's his son Isaac, and it's his son Jacob. God is so faithful to this covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that in several places in the Bible, God called himself. He's, he's saying, this is who I am. This is my name. God has many names in the Bible. One of them, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is who he is. He is the covenant God that promised something to this man. He promised that to the patriarchs. Okay, and God, is, God is, is, will do everything and he will uh, be faithful to that covenant that he made with them. So let's see uh, exactly what he was saying to those patriarchs. And interestingly, you will see that to all of them, there is a certain phrase that is included in the promises that he gave to all three of them. Same word. So let, let's see that. Um, okay, if we're already in Genesis 17, we can first and foremost say that this is an everlasting covenant that God made. It says in seven, Genesis 17, 7, it says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, is speaking to Abraham still over there, and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Then if we flick back, back to Genesis chapter 12, we can see in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, verses 1 to 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country to your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And then it says one, and I will bless you and make your name great so that two, you will be a blessing. You see the progression? I will bless you and make your name great with a purpose so that you will be a blessing. And then I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors, I will curse. Well, who dishonors you, I will curse. And now it says, and in you... In you, Abraham, I'm making a promise, I'm making a covenant with you. And he's saying, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So you see, it's definitely included. It's in the heart of God's plan of salvation to bless all the nations of the world. But you see, the channel that he chose to do that is through his covenant with Abraham, the circumcised. You see that? Okay, so we see it over here. Now from Abraham, let's move to Isaac because we're following Romans 15, what Paul is saying to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Okay, so we've seen that promise to bless all the nations. We saw that he promised that to Abraham. Let, now let's go to Isaac. And in Isaac, we can see in Genesis 26, it says, uh, verses 3 and 5, in this land and I will be with you and will bless you for to you and your offspring I will give all these lands and I will establish an oath that I swore to Abraham your father you see it's based on what he promised his father he's saying I will establish the oath that I swore God swore he gave an oath to his father Abraham your father I will multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. So he's promising them the land, okay? Consistently to all the three patriarchs. And then he says, that should sound familiar to you because we just read it about Abraham. It says, and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice. You see, he's promising the same thing that he promised to Abraham. He's promising now to Isaac. Okay, so we see it over there. Now let's move to Jacob. Genes Jacob is two chapters forward in Genesis 28, verses, starting verse 13. It says, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord. Now it's see how beautiful. God is so consistent and organized in his covenant relationship. And he's saying, I am the Lord, 
the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. You see how he says to, to Isaac, he said, what I promised to Abraham. Now to Jacob, he said, what I promised to Abraham and to Isaac, now he's promising to Jacob as well. You see, this is the promise given to the patriarchs. And he's saying, the land, again, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And now, sounds familiar. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You see, it's the same promise to the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, let's go quickly, just for one verse, to Galatians 3.16. This is another wonderful 3.16. Galatians 3.16. And let's see what Paul is saying over there. He says, Galatians 3.16... Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, in singular, who is Christ, who is Messiah. So he's basically saying that through that one seed, He's saying through your seed. It doesn't mean like all, the, like multiple in, par, in plural. He's talking about a very specific seed, which is the seed Paul is saying here in Galatians 3.16, who is the Messiah, who is the son of David, who is Yeshua himself. So all those promises will come forth and be fulfilled through the Messiah. This is to be fulfilled what God has promised to the patriarchs. It's all related and pointing to this one seed, Yeshua, that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But once again, when God's, God, first and foremost, I mean, really at that point, the covenant he made was with the patriarchs, right? So God is saying, okay, I'm sending my son to them. I don't send it to anyone else in a sense because this is the people that I promised this, right? Now, through fulfilling the promises to them, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, but, but the promise is to them. The covenant is with them. The covenant wasn't made with the nations. The covenant was made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And through fulfilling that promise, we know in a way in advance that all the nations of the earth Will be, will be blessed. Now, going back to our uh, uh, verse in Matthew 15, let's just continue to follow that and then just see God's love for all nations. Just an explosion of scriptures that Paul is quoting one after the other to, to really, you know, he's really unfolding here in like two verses, like three, four verses, God's plan of salvation. And the logic and the order, the covenant logic behind that, if you will. So, okay. So let's go back and we covered to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And now, the last part of Paul's explanation, he says, And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. You see, when God will fulfill that promise to the patriarchs that he made a covenant with, through that, the Gentiles will glorify God for his mercy. Just like this lady in Matthew 15, she glorifies God for his mercy. You want to give me a, a, a crumb? Yeah, I'll take the crumb. That's all I need, a crumb from Jesus. That's all I need. Saying what he was trying to communicate to the Samaritan in, in lady in, in John chapter 4, salvation if, from the Jews. And when they get that, great is your faith. You got it. You understand it. You're being healed. You're being saved. You understand who the Savior is and who is coming from and that God is a covenant God and is faithful to his covenant and that's the channel that the blessing is coming uh, to you. Okay, so this is beautiful. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God in his mercy. And then he breaks it down and quotes one, two, three, four scriptures to base his, uh, let's see that, Romans 15, let's see it in our own eyes. Romans 15, okay, it says verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. 
And now he's basing all the theology, all the truth from the word that he's communicating here to us and to the Romans church. We say it here. Okay, now he's quoting scripture. And the first one he's saying, for this reason I confess to you. It says, um, as it is written, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. He's quoting from Psalms 18, verse 49. Let's open quickly Psalms 18, verse 49. Okay, to, to make his point, again, he's basing that on Scripture, just like we're doing now, following really his footsteps. So we go in Psalms 18, verse 49. Um, Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praiser praises to your name this is from here now it's beautiful to see first of all if we go to the first verse of this psalm you see who wrote, who wrote it well that verse that uh, psalm was written by david let's see a psalm of david is in verse one the servant of the lord who spoke to the lord the words of this song on the day that the lord delivered him you see the lord delivered david and then he wrote that prophetically it was relating to him, but he also wrote that prophetically about his seed, the Messiah. On the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Okay, so in this context, he's, he's ending this psalm and saying, Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. A few verses before that, uh, in verse uh, 46, he says, the Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let, let the God of my salvation, salvation, the God of my salvation be exalted. So he's talking about the God of his salvation. He says, Elohei Yish'i, like Yeshua, Yish'i. It's Yish'i at the end, it's mine. Ye, my Yeshua, Yish'i, the God of my Yeshua, my salvation. And in that context, he's saying that he, will sing praise that the, 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 the nations the gentiles will sing a, a, he will give thanks among the gentiles and sing praises to your name in a sense that's a picture that through his seed the, this the good news the gospel will be like a song to all the nations to the gentiles we see it over here last verse of this chapter it says um, great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed Meshichot, his Messiah, his anointed to David and his descendants forevermore so that's the first verse that, uh, that uh, Paul is quoting from uh, Romans uh, 15 let's move on to the second one out of the four okay then it says and again it says Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And now he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. So let's open Deuteronomy chapter 32 for a second, please. And see that, understand the context, and see just like we did with Psalms 18. So that Deuteronomy chapter uh, 32. Let's open there. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 32, verse 43. It says, Rejoice, or Gentiles, with his people. And, and then he goes forth. But that's all he quotes. Now, what is it? Here, starting at the beginning of uh, chapter 32, it's a song, it's called the Song of Moses. It's basically one of the last things that Moses did before he died. He, he uh, basically came up with this song that he wrote. And in that, he prophesied that the Israelites will fall astray and they will not follow God and all that. And anyhow, at the end of the song, this is how he ends the song. He's saying, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. And he will provide atonement. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. So again, in the context of being the atonement, he's saying here that the Gentiles will rejoice with his people, with Israel. So again, we see that Moses is giving us like a, is like a, 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 picking into that future 
And, and writing here is a prophecy that this is what's going to happen through the, through the Savior of Israel. We see it over here. The third verse, verse it says, that's again from Romans 15. Paul is saying, and again, like let me give you another verse. And he's saying, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples exalt him. That's from Psalm 117. Let's open over there. That's the shortest psalm um, that exists. And it's kind of interesting. That the shortest psalm, it's almost like he wants us to see a very specific um, point that is being emphasized in this psalm. So let's see um, what it is. Psalm 117. It's only two verses. It says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Loud him, all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. There is a song, most Jewish people know it. it I mean, we sing it all the time. Um, it's it just beautiful. But let's see the details over here. First of all, all, the, all, all it says over here, it it's talks to the Gentiles, and it says, Praise Yahweh, all you Gentiles uh, and all you peoples. Why? Verse 2 gives the reason. It says, for his merciful kindness, chesed in Hebrew, chesed, his merciful kindness is great towards us. It actually means it's the, the, the best translation to say gavar aleinu means he won over us. At least that there was a battle between us and his mercy. We come with our sin. He comes with his chesed, with his merciful kindness, and he won over us. He won over our, our sin with his chesed with his kindness and with his love. And that's why he's saying, all you nations, all you Gentiles, rejoice in Yahweh. Rejoice in the Lord of Israel because salvation is coming in your way through the covenant that he made with us. So we see it over here. The last verse, praise the Lord, the last verse that Paul is saying here, it's in Isaiah chapter 11. Now it's interesting, you know, the Old Testament... Uh, the Hebrew Bible is really divided into three sections, and Yeshua relates to that. Uh, the five books of Moses, the prophets, and, and the writings, the Psalms and, and others. So it's the three. And, and, and Paul is careful, I've noticed, to mention and to prove his point from all three segments of the Old Testament. Because we saw the Psalms, and then we saw Deuteronomy from the five books of Moses. Then we saw another Psalm. And now we're seeing Isaiah as representative of the prophets. Remember Yeshua said on the way to Amos, that all things written about him, uh, both in the law, in the prophets, and in the writings, must be fulfilled. And we see here another example of that. It's all over the word of God. So, no, no, God didn't think about the nations later on. He just had an organized plan on how to reach every one of you. And if you're not saved today, if you're not grafted in into the covenant that God made through the patriarchs and, and was faithful to them to deliver that, so each one and every one of us here to this evening, if you're not 100% sure that you're saved, you can be tonight, and I pray that you will be tonight. We're not going to leave until you do it. Okay, so lock the doors. Okay, we're still here. It's better to be locked here than to be locked outside of, of the presence of God in eternal life. It's only going to be a few hours. We'll let you go. Don't worry about that. Okay, so let's see the last one, Isaiah chapter 11. He, he, he says here, and again Isaiah says, now Paul is saying, and in that day there shall be a root of GC which shall stand for a flag of the people to it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be his rest shall be glorious so that's the fourth uh, verse that um, Paul is choosing uh, to use different translations translated a little differently some say a flag some of salvation some say a banner of salvation but really in Hebrew it's the word ness ness it can be a, a banner, it can be a sign or a flag, but beyond all that, Ness in Hebrew means a miracle. Ness, that's how you say Ness. A miracle today, you say Ness. It was a Ness. It was a miracle. So that's a miracle of salvation. So he's saying to, to, to the nations here that they will all seek him because uh, they will, they, from the root of GC, 
which is the father of, um, of David, then we see that will come again, that means from the seed of David, will come this flag of salvation. This something that everyone, God wants everyone to see. It's his flag of salvation. And this is also a miracle of salvation. It's the same meaning in Israel. And that's basically how Paul is proving his, uh, his point over here. Now, my time is over. So we'll have to come back tomorrow for the second half. Amen. But let me try to wrap it up. I think the point is clear from Scripture. I don't think I had to come up with anything for you to see exactly God's plan of salvation. And then just pray in the name of Yeshua that God will speak to your heart now and give you His love and His broken heart towards the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember, Yeshua was saying, I did not come except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now we're here on this side of the globe sitting with so many people already saved in Israel out of 6 million Jewish people. Only about 10,000 are saved. Just like Yeshua was speaking to that lady in Matthew chapter 15. He wanted her to understand the point. He wanted her to understand that salvation comes from the, from Israel. That's why he came to Israel. I think he wanted her to have a heart to understand. She saw, she saw her daughter uh, being tortured by a demon. She, she ran after him. She cried because she wanted the help of the only source of salvation, the miracle of salvation that his Jewish people. He's from Israel. We saw in Isaiah 49. He is. His name is Israel. And then she saw your da his da her daughter being, being, being uh, freed from, from, from this demon. Is anyone heals, he here being healed or being saved or being freed because, uh, because of the Savior of Israel? Anyone here in this room? Anyone here, someone in your family was being saved, was being healed, was being delivered because this Jewish man, Yeshua, Amen. the Savior of Israel? What do you think he wants you to do concerning his own people? He said, he's like he's saying to you, I didn't come, first and foremost, I didn't come except for them. For the lost sheep is speaking as a shepherd that is mourning over his sheep. My, it's my sheep and they're lost and he's the shepherd. And, and, and he came for them. Amen. Now guess what? Now it's 2015 and they're still lost. And we're doing so many wonderful things. But, but I, think, I think the Word of God is telling us and encouraging us and the Spirit of God must do the same thing. He wants us to share the people with the lost sheep of the house of Israel because that's who Yeshua came first and foremost because that's who God made that covenant and that's who God promised to and He's that fulfillment. And that's why it says in Romans 11 that Israel fell in order for the salvation God's salvation comes to the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Your salvation by Israel does, do, does or do, do come with the responsibility towards Israel, with the same calling that Yeshua and the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's still with the same purpose of Him going to save all nations, but yet in a very special way, He came first and foremost to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And now, as we saw that and revel around the world from Israel to the nations, now I believe that we see the people of Israel coming back to the land as the prophecies are telling us. And, and yet we know that through the nations, through the Gentiles, it says, it says actually, I'll end with this verse if you let me one more minute. In Romans 11, in Romans 11, it says, just a few chapters before Romans 15, it says here, okay, you, you need to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And then it says in Romans 11, 25, he's speaking to Gentiles clearly in that chapter. He says that in verse 13. I'm speaking to you Gentiles, he says. And then in verse 25, he says, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part, blindness or hardening in part, has happened to Israel until, now there is an until, 
this hard part, it's not a complete hardening. You see, I'm saved somehow with God's grace. You know, I wasn't blind to that. I'm saved. I'm doing everything I can for everyone else to be saved. It's in part, but somehow I believe that this scripture tells us why it's in part. Because it's in part until something will happen. It wouldn't be in part when this until comes to reality. And what should happen? Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now what is the fullness of the Gentiles? So many people misunderstand it. They think the fullness of the Gentiles, they think of numbers, they think of a quota. Or when we're going to have a, whatever number of Gentiles, or we have this one last person unsaved on an island somewhere in the middle of a, the ocean somewhere, and he has a long beard and big earrings bigger than his head, and now when he will be saved, God says, ha-ha, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, boom, all Israel is saved all of a sudden. No, that's not the case at all. The fullness here, the, the word in Greek, it's called pleroma. And pleroma everywhere else in scripture never talks about number. It talks about uh, the, the fullness of God in our hearts. When we understand God's heart, when we have God's heart, when we go to, to the fullness of that, and if we had more time, I could share a few verses, beautiful verses about the fullness of, of God, the height and the width and everything, until the pleroma of God, it says over here. You, you will have that pleroma. That's the fullness. And I pray in the name of Yeshua that the pleroma of God, the fullness of God will come into your heart today. And that will be another big step forward for the salvation of Israel. It says, until the, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. You see, you have a major part in bringing the salvation to Israel. Until this will not happen, Israel will not be saved. Until we will not understand what Yeshua wanted to explain to the lady in Matthew chapter 15, until we don't understand it, until the church is, does not understand it, Israel is still in, in partial blindness. Yes, some of us may come to faith here and there, but in order to, for Israel to be saved, Israel needs you. Just like you needed Israel to be saved, now Israel needs you to be saved. And this is the full picture, the full circle of God's plan of salvation. Amen. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for making it so clear. Thank you for that you are faithful to your covenant with the patriarchs. Thank you that you came to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Thank you that through the fall of Israel, Salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy. I pray in the name of Yeshua that you will bring that fullness of understanding, fullness of your love into our hearts so we, we can be used for, your, for bringing the gospel back to the lordship of the house of Israel. And he, in his name we pray, amen. Now, let me just tell you a very practical way that just in the last few months, me and some people from that church were helping me to do that, even by the lab offering of last time that I was here. We reached more than 77,000 Jewish people in Israel that heard the gospel through the Hear O Israel project that I shared with you last time. We don't have time to show a short video, right? Yeah, okay, let's just show the first minute. I'll show you Matthew chapter 15. Eh, sorry, 10. This is where Yeshua sends his disciples. 10, 12 disciples and send them and he's telling them do not go except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is the instructions he gave to his disciples to start with as well. So let's see just the first minute of Matthew chapter uh, 10. Okay. לגרש אותן ולרפא כל מחלה וכל מדווה. ואלה שמות 12 השליחים. 
הראשון, שמעון המכונה קיפה, אנדרי אחיו, יעקב בן זרדאי, אל תלכו לדרך הגויים ואל תיכנסו לעיר של שומרונים. But go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So you see, even the way we portray the Jewish people, the star of David, go to the lost sheep. They need to understand it's Jewish because they think it's Christian, it's another religion, it's not for us. And yet we, when we read the word, us to the Jewish people and through the Jewish people of the world. So I would really ask you to uh, and encourage you um, to pray for our ministry. Just yesterday I, I sent, uh, this is my friend over there, Stacy. Jeanette is volunteering with my ministry and helping me, uh, volunteering her time. So I get all those securities on the websites that we have. Just got a notification yesterday. People trying to hack the websites all the time. Two of my websites were hacked, one from Iran, one from and Indonesia. Yesterday they tried to hack the website from Japan. But now I'm, I have all kinds of protection, so it blocks them when they try to go into it a, a few times in a row, trying different passwords and things like that. The enemy is against that. For sure, for sure. And we need your, first and foremost, I need your prayer. So I would, would really ask you if, you, if you never, if you're not on my mailing list, please fill up those cards. Who doesn't have a card here? Which family? So we have that. Um, Stacy, I know there is some on the table. Maybe you can please give uh, this, my sister over there this card. And, and over here, um, if you can please Fill that card with like capital letters, so actually Jeanette, sh she can read that. She, she helped me, I, I don't understand cursive so well. But uh, if you can write it as clear as you can, also email address and also your mobile phone for text messages. I have prayer alerts on text messages. Just recently I find it very helpful. So if you can please fill that. And also if you go, if you want to be, help me even more in practical way, not just in the spiritual way. So. For me to produce e each of those chapters cost me $3,000. It turns to be about $100 per verse because there is about, on average, 30 verses per chapter in Matthew, actually 31. So it's about $100 per verse. So if God is putting on your heart $100 today or next month or something monthly, whatever God puts on your heart, that will be used for that purpose. And then each view, the people view it on YouTube, they don't just search for that. I need to bring this, this to their attention as a suggested video. That's 12 cents. So you can see here with $120, you can, now we have 77,000. With your help, it can be 78,000 people in Israel for $120 and so forth. So whatever God leads you, uh, please, please, uh, please do that because you and I, we have an obligation to share the gospel with everyone but in a certain spiritual, mysterious way, and also in a way that kind of makes sense after today, hopefully, we have a certainly an obligation to share the gospel with the lordship of the house of Israel. So thank you in advance for your prayer and support. God bless you all. I'll see you next time. Thank you.